Hello, my name is Jacob, and welcome to episode 51 of the Folk Podcast, where I'm recording here in the United States once again. Uh, thank you so much for bearing with us last week where we took a break, mostly for me to get back to the States, um, but I'm back in the office now and no longer have to keep my voice down to please the German people. I am only annoying my cat. So today we decided our first topic is going to be the runes. We don't have a guest today, um, but this is something that we really haven't talked about fully in one episode. So we figure we can kind of go through our personal experiences. Obviously, I have a lot of videos out there kind of going through my experiences with the runes. So I'm sure I'll kind of cover over those again. Uh, but I do also want to mention that some really exciting news is that um, we have the next like six episodes planned. Um, so I was going to kind of read them out to our listeners who care. Um, so next week, we're going to be co covering books and basically everyone's book library. And I think we're going to have Blade on for that, or Babushka, who we had on in episode five. And then we're going to talk about Scotty with Amanda, who also goes by Scotty Winters. Um, so we're going to talk about the, uh, the Jotun and goddess Scotty. And then uh, we're also going to talk about Celtic paganism with a member of our community. And then we're going to have a podcast about Tyr and then a podcast about Heimdall. So we got some really cool ones planned. And we're going to have Myron back on the show, who we had back, um, I believe, it was last year at this point. Um, he's actually currently dealing with um, the aftermath of Hurricane Ida right now. Um, so, you know, best wishes to him, but he's excited to be back on the show. Um, so we got some really cool episodes planned. And then, so now that I'm back in the States, we're going to be a little bit more organized, hopefully. And, get things labeled out a little bit more but today we're talking about the runes so gentlemen is there anything you want to start with when talking about the runes like i don't really honestly know like ian what you are with the runes or shirt or baker what you're doing anymore so yeah fill me in uh, i guess i'll start as usual uh <laughs> for me i don't know it's it's one of those things where i don't i don't necessarily feel uh a overbearing you know push to necessarily study all of them you know at one given time I feel like at least for me and I, I kind of think a lot of people would potentially agree with this is it's better to kind of learn them as they come to you so I mean I I would say I'm really confident with and I have a good understanding with oh let me think you're probably about five or six of you know 24 you know that's not really a lot of runes to really be necessarily familiar with but i don't necessarily have an overwhelming drive or desire to know everything that there is to know about all the runes because they have different interpretations based off of the situation that you see them in um but i feel like that's a relatively common thing is where people have a very good strong understanding of you know, maybe half a dozen to, you know, a dozen of the runes. And then the other ones, you know, they'll eventually learn and grow with and understand because it's a process to even, you know, get form a, a connection, I would say, or an understanding of just one rune in general, let alone all of them. Like that's, that's a lifetime's worth of, of experience, I feel like, before you can confidently say, I know everything there is you know to know about the runes or you know a very strong grasp and understanding where you can be like oh in this situation i got this rune it means this 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 or this you know like i'm nowhere near that well i think it's one of those things where it's just like um as we move deeper in this podcast i'm glad we're kind of touching on these subjects and i know i, I brought it up in the bind room video is you know runology in the study of runes is a discipline it's something that doesn't happen overnight and you shouldn't want it to happen overnight otherwise you're probably not worthy of understanding the runes if you're like i want to know all about the runes in one day um so you know i think even you know like like you were saying like myself personally i probably only know eight or nine of the runes in a way that makes me feel confident um and then you know, the rest of them, I'm like, I don't really know. So if they ever come up in my daily life, I really don't know what to do with them. Uh, I'd say I'm, I'm pretty similar as far as eating goes, uh, is going on. I try, I, I dove in pretty heavy. Um, almost about this, about this time last year, pretty heavy into them. Um, but I, I, at this point, I've just let them just kind of reveal, reveal their meanings and stuff to me as they come to me, uh, during my journey. Cause it seems like every, Every four or five months, there's one that really comes up and it stays around. Like, I remember back beginning of this year, I just kept, like, Logos was just everywhere, following me everywhere. 
And it would even just show up in conversations, not the actual name of the room itself, the room itself, but the word flow, which would come up very often in conversation. And I, it, it was, it just seemed like an odd coincidence. It was like when Logos was following me around everywhere, but people kept using the word flow everywhere around me. Um, just things like that. Uh, I'd say that, that personally, I, I, I like learning in this way because then I'm not trying to force it or I guess like trying to grasp at straws with it. And then it just com uh, comes more naturally. Sure, where are you at with the runes? I, or do you even like mess with the runes? Yes, I actually just started learning the runes. Um, I know four of them. The two that are, you know, are incorporated in the tattoos that I have, uh, one by Babushka and one by Caleb. And then the first two of the, like the first eight section, I went a completely different route than all of you. I started talking to Chaotic Claire on from Instagram or in the Discord from Wisdom Mode. Yeah, and we and had her on podcast too. Yeah, and we had her on podcast, episode 23, I believe. Um, and I'm working with her. She's teaching me like different divinations and uh, really understanding the core concepts and meditating on each of the roots. So I'm learning the first eight. And I'm only on the second one. It's been like three weeks. Yeah, there's really yeah. no. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was, yeah, I was gonna say like that's that's honestly a pretty standard like time frame. I feel like is at least you know several weeks to a month to get even a, a, a decent con like grasp of just one rune in general. Because uh, I similarly to Caleb, I at one point I just kind of dove head in uh, and just try to do you know learn all of them as much as i can in one go and that can burn you out man like that's so much stuff because depending on the books that you have as well so not all the books are the same i think i have four four different books that cover you know the runes in various details and not everything is the same in between authors and books like there are obviously the the basic similarities but also some of them throw their own interpretations um but they don't always say that that they it's their own interpretation of it so you kind of have to be careful too when you're depending on where you're getting your information from so i think it's good to have you know multiple books covering that stuff yeah uh, like rune books i, I mean there's hundreds i feel like at this point room books and the thing that's crazy is every single one's going to have a slightly different interpretation for each rune and um personally you know the reason i mean i, I again i cover this pretty extensively on the youtube channel but i have a video out there it's called uh, my struggles with the runes and one of the things i've always struggled with is the fact that the runes themselves there, there is a, a very clear disconnect between the historical like bronze age iron age rune work and um what we do now like, yes, we know the younger and elder Futhark were a thing. We knew that runes were a part of spell work, but we didn't act, we don't actually know that certain runes mean certain things. We can infer from their names. Like, I think Fehu um, resembles like the actual like cattle and wealth. I think its actual name translates to like the agriculture or something like that. So it's very similar. But again, we don't know that they use them for that form of divination. Um, the, really, the only place that we get that from is from uh, Germania. And it says that the Germanic peoples threw lots. And so this is something you hear a lot of rune scholars talk about is that that's kind of the only way we know that they maybe use the runes for divination. Uh, but when it comes to real historical uses, the best way you can kind of look at them is an alphabet as a way to spell things. Um, you know, a lot of people, I think mo the majority of pagans use the elder Futhark to divinate. Now, the younger Futhark does have divination value, but I don't actually see a lot of people using the younger Futhark. The way that I've seen <clears throat> primarily the use of, of the runes between elder and younger Futhark is elder Futhark generally are the ones that people use for any sort of magic-based stuff, whereas the younger Futhark are more of the um, written form of it, or like what you would use to write something if you were to write it in runes. Um, that's now, I don't know how historically uh, accurate that is, but I know that it's a relatively common idea amongst a lot of people in the community that you would use Elder Futhark for any form of magic-based something, 
or divination or whatever you're using it for bind runes and then elder food arc would be more of the your common day like if you were to write you know something you mean the younger food arc or yeah as i meant yeah the younger food arc would be you know i'm let me write this note you know right, right. yeah but because yeah I, I i personally don't see any really magical aspect or um you know value in the younger food arc personally it's always it's more so definitely just the elder food arc and it's funny because a lot of people don't necessarily understand that there is you know some sort of uh magic behind it when you're messing with the elder food arc runes and so you have people you know all over instagram and social media and stuff like that that have you know these tattoos uh with the runes that spell something out well, binders are different, but like you have people that are like, you know, they they have something spelled out like a like a name or a word or whatever because they think, oh, it's just an alphabet, you know, translated. But like you're essentially using ancient, for what we know or understand, powerful scripture and tools into your body, spelling, you know, God's know what on you know, it's like writing something in in kanji or something. You don't know what you're really doing. So here's my problem with that. So actually, I've gone back and forth because I was like that probably a year ago. I was thinking, you know, oh, don't spell with the Elder Futhark. And, you know, that's because the person that taught me the runes was like, don't spell with Elder Futhark because it seems like mo the majority of people who practice the faith and practice runology, practice rune work are like, don't spell with the runes. But from a historical perspective, spell with the runes because, a, you know, a large amount of the rune stones are using the Elder Futhark to spell. And from a scholarly historical angle, if you don't really think they're magical, they're only an alphabet. And so there's, I feel like, you know, it goes back and forth the community, what people believe what, and there's no one right answer. Um, so, you know, I've been the person that I remember working in a restaurant and I was like taking the notes down for like tables and their orders in Elder Futhark runes just to be cheeky. And because I was in the faith for the first time. And then I went to the point where I was like, oh no, I was doing something wrong because they're magical. And then as the more I explored, you know, and I started doing more heavy research, I'm like, no, they're just a historical thing. There's rune stones that spell things out. So I go back and forth all the time and it's it's confusing. Yeah, I've, I've definitely, for a, a while, another myself and another member of the community, the two of us would write each other notes um, on sticky pads in Elder Futhark because nobody else would know what we were spelling or what we were saying and we would leave them for each other wherever we are like we are, where we would usually sit and hang out um, and it, it it did help learning you know the the alphabet like or the translation from you know the Futhark to what we use now so that did help and it helped kind of train me to be like okay I recognize what this brood is but yeah, I, we stopped doing that once we kind of like dove a little bit deeper into it. Cause I definitely treated more as just a, a strictly magical use or, you know, something like that. But we've all been there, I'm sure at one point spelling silly things out. Well, I mean, I can see both arguments and I think it just goes down to the intentions behind what you're doing. Uh, if that makes any sense. I mean, we talk about it a lot in paganism and, and Wicca and other things, the power of intent. And that's kind of how I see it. I was just writing on my notepad here. Uh, I was like spelling Jacob in, uh, in Elder Futhark because I'm just like, oh, I'm cool. But it's, it's weird. It's weird. Runes are weird. So as far as actual book sources, I don't have that many, even though there are so many out there because at the end of the day, you're not going to get that much unique information out of you know, 20 different books, you might get different perspectives, but the basic idea of the runes, you know, you're pretty good in a couple of books. So I do have um, the Icelandic book of Futhark, which is kind of like a very bare bones rune book. It tells you what their meanings are and that's it. It doesn't go into divination. It doesn't really go into, it, it, yes, it has their different meanings, at least in the modern context, but it doesn't dive too deep into it. Um, because then I also have Runes for Beginners by Lisa Chamberlain. And this is what I would consider a very new age rune book, because you have a bunch of different ways to divinate. And then you have like, uh, you know, a little bit about bind runes. 
Um, and then you have very modern interpretations of the runes. Like there are just all, there's like two pages per rune. And there's some things that I've never heard of in there. And it's like, it definitely came from people's personal experience. And that's just one of those things. A lot of people have personal experiences with the runes. I have personal experiences with the runes. Um, and, you know, I, maybe it goes back to UPG versus VPG. You know, there's pretty people that are like, well, I think that Fehu re represents the rising sun, you know, okay, that's fine. But maybe when 100 people all have had that meditation on Fehu, maybe that makes a little bit more sense. So yeah, again, runes are weird. I feel like that's just the moral of the story. Yeah, I'm looking through, because uh, I don't have my library here, but I do have the same book, uh, Runes for Beginners um, by Lucy Chamberlain. That's a good one. And then I have... Um, have yeah kind of various stages of you know advanced learning i guess but my personal favorite um is by uh, freya oswin it's her northern mystic uh, mysticism book and she goes into uh, a good portion of the of the book like the first part of it is going into the runes and it has a good level of um of you know, detail about them. And she's one of the few authors that I've noticed that will make it very clear that this is, you know, the, the, what we know, and this is her personal opinion on how she's used it or her, I, her thought process behind the meaning of it and stuff like that, um, which I definitely appreciate. She does that with a lot of her stuff in that, throughout that book. Um, and then I have one that's, I barely scratch the surface of because it is definitely one of those books that like, I'm glad I have it, but I probably won't use it for a long time. And that's um, Hell Brunar. And that book is like, you should probably know a lot about the inner workings of the runes and stuff like that before you even dive into it. Cause it is, it's a lot, it's a lot of information and a lot of different uses for divinations and, things like that. There's even meditation work uh, where you try to basically, uh, for some of the runes you would, oh, it's, I can't remember the exact form of the meditation. It's something a lot of people have used, but you essentially try to take the shape with your body of the runes or you use your hands and fingers and stuff like that. It's a lot, there's a lot into that one. But that's like, I would, I probably won't touch that book for probably another few years, realistically. Yeah, I was just looking in here, like uh, one of the things in the Lisa Chamberlain book. Uh, and this is where I think, you know, I have my problems with the runes or at least a lot of modern interpretations of the runes. Uh, so like take a rune like Hagalaz, like it has this whole section about associated things with Hagalaz. It says um, Hagalaz is associated colors are white and light blue. Associated deities are um, Heimdall and Urd. And then uh, uh, astrological associations are Aquarius and Saturn and elements are water and ice and miscellaneous magical correspondence is jet onyx elder nightshade and you. And it's just like, where in the world did you get all that? Like, where did you find that, you know, jet onyx elder nightshade and you are associated with Hagalaz? Because there really isn't that much historical information. So a lot of this is coming from people's, you know, learnings in the last 200 years. And so a lot of runic divination comes from the last 200 years. And that's something that I've always wanted to try to stress because this is something that, again, I've struggled with is the fact that the runes really are a new concept, at least how they're used today. Um, again, I, I feel a little bit more connected to bind runes because I, I think it's a little bit less... Uh, you know, you don't have the associated colors and things like that. It's really just, hey, this is the value of the rune. Put that with another value of the rune equals this. It's like it's like math. And so a bind rune to me makes a little bit more sense, uh, more sense. And just divination in general, I'm not big on tarot. I'm not really big on rune divination. I've tried it hands, you know, a few different times. And it's, it, you know, to this day, it's really still just not for me. Personally, I don't believe I actually own any books on the runes. Um Normally, I use, which I think we, we've mentioned it a lot in the Discord, I believe, that runesecrets.com. Uh, and that's, that's it. I feel like it's given me a lot of good information about them uh, as far as, like, how to understand and uh, take the, the attributes of them. Uh, and the author himself, which I cannot, I can't remember his name right off the top of my head, but he goes through and and. He has a whole big section after attribute lists 
everything that he's figured out about them, about like his process of, you know, the how long it took him and things like that. And like what processes of meditation and things like that. I believe I'd have to look at it again to make sure. But I really do like a, like that as a source for information on whenever it's one that I'm not exactly uh, good with. I think there's an iPhone app too for runes. And like, again, it's okay. Um, you know, I think it also allows you to spell things in rooms if I remember correctly. And then you like copy and paste them every, uh, you know, on your Instagram posts and such. Um, but again, it's just like every now and then you come up to like a certain rune and it's like, what? Like, how did you come up to that assumption? Like, I can't remember what it was like. Kenaz was like a death rune or something like that. It was like, if you get this rune, you're going to die. And it's like, whoa, like calm down. And I think that's where it's coming too close to tarot. Um, cause tarot, you know, the difference between tarot and the runes is one of the questions I was asked in one of the videos I did. And I, I, you know, the way it's so weird, like tarot is a little bit more direct. It's just like, you're going to die. You're going to have a good day. You're going to get money. Whereas the runes are a little bit more metaphorical and ambiguous when it comes to divination. Yeah, I can see that. I've, I've tarot, I've, I've maybe messed with very, 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 very little, but from what I have seen and, uh, you know, attempted to, to learn myself, between the two, I definitely agree with that. I feel like the runes are more of a a guiding hand or like a hey, this is what you know you could potentially expect. But yeah, not like like what you were saying. The with tarot, it's very much like this is what's gonna happen. You know, this is how it's gonna happen or whatever. You know what I mean? It is yeah, much more direct and not necessarily a a guideline. You know, quoting. I guess my problem with divination is like, I believe in fate 100%, you know, as a Norse pagan fate, I believe is one of the most guiding principles. It's the reason all four of us are in this podcast. It's the reason we've had these gatherings. Um, you know, we've all had these moments that we were like, wow, this feels like a fated moment. And I think that's why a lot of people come to this fate, uh, this faith, not fate. Um, but divination to me kind of spoils fate because to me, it alters your perception of your own fate. Because let's say you wake up you know, normal everyday day, it's kind of, you know, overcast, it's a little bit sunny. And then you do a rune pool and it's like, you're going to have a bad day. And then you have that mindset the rest of the day, like, oh no, I'm going to have a bad day because the rune said I'm going to have a bad day. And then you look for all those things that are, you know, going to make it a bad day. And then you get home, you're like, wow, the runes were right. I did have a bad day. But you know what I would see that as? Like the runes are like, you're going to have a bad day. I'd be like, no. I can listen to the runes. I'm gonna have a great day. And then I want to go out and have a great day. And I'd find a way to cheat the runes. And so it, it's like almost like a, you know, it, it tells you how you should feel. And then maybe it's like a, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Like a placebo effect. And the sense is like, you know, you're going to have a great day. You're going to have a bad day. And those things slightly alter your perception of the day that make it good or bad. And then you believe the runes work. And I think that you could say that about a lot of religious things, but um, when it comes, you know, again, like divination to me, that's one of the problems I have with it. Now, again, you know, I don't want to beat divination over the head too much because I do believe in the power of the runes. I mean, I do have a bind rune on my arm right now. Um, and I, I believe them as powerful symbols. And this is something as I talk about in the bind rune video is if you're looking for a symbol or something, a symbol of recognition, I think they're really good. And we know that the ancestors were really big on the power of words and the runes themselves are words. And then you put them together to create more words. And so I think if you were looking for an emblem for your business um, or an emblem for yourself to sign your name off as, I think the runes are really powerful for that um, because I think they can, you know, they do have power to them. And it's probably one of the most powerful lettering systems in the world. And so when you, like I said in the binder video, like Gandalf in Lord of the Rings signs off with basically, I think it's like Fehu, like he signs that off with his name. And I almost like, I kind of like that idea. Like if you wanted to, to take one of the runes or a small binder rune to sign your name as, or at the very end of your signature to show like who you are. And I mean, shoot the wisdom of Odin itself, um, the full podcast, you're looking at it right now on your screen. It has a bind rune. Now, do I think that bind rune is magical? No, but it stands as a symbol for what the wisdom of Odin is. Actually, I like that. I never thought about that, like as your own kind of like personal mark. Oh, someone didn't watch the Bind Room video then, because it was in there. I did watch it, but wow, someone wasn't part. paying attention to the Bind Room video. Then. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of information. Okay, there, there was a lot of information in that video. Well, but, I mean, oh, well, I was going to say, like, 
Yeah, the way you were gonna say is is you can add it as a signature and stuff, but the way that it's been explained to me when it comes to divination with the runes is what's your interpretation? Because everybody's interpretation of it is gonna be different because we've all walked our own paths. We're all gonna, you know, we're all different, and that's what makes us all unique. Uh, and the way that I see fate and the way I've always described fate is, you know. Our, our lives or whatever have been carved on the tree. You know, the Norns have carved out our fate. And I see it as a spider web. Because, you know, if you look at a spider web, the spider's in the center and then it just branches out. Well, I believe we're born on the outside of it. And then our choices we make, whether we go straight, left, right, you know, those are our choices and decisions. So they're all carved together. If that makes any sense. Um, so one thing, um, as far as like rune explorations, uh, getting into it, and this is something I can, again, be a little bit more positive. I, I have a compli- it, it, my relationship with the runes is complicated. Uh, but as far as like something that I do think really solidified the fact that I do believe the runes are real is uh, again, this is a very, just my personal experience with a rune that I figured out through lots of meditation and over the series of months is I kept on seeing the Ingwa's rune in my mind. So the rune of, you know, uh, like the King rune, the Frere rune, um, you know, that's kind of what I knew about. I really didn't know that much about it, but it was kind of beckoning me to learn more. Like anytime I would do a trance or I would do a meditation, I would see that rune very clearly. And it was always made of like thorns within like my mind. And it was like vines and thorns. And so for a long time, like a several gatherings, I was doing these meditations to try to figure out this rune. And it wasn't until the gathering in North Carolina where Eric was at, who we've had on the podcast, where him and I were doing like kind of a meditation, not together, but like in the same area. And I was in front of the fire and he was on the other side of the fire. And they were doing like an ice meditation on the other side of him. So there was like this line of meditations going on. And what I was seeing, and I didn't really even know Eric was across from me, was I saw an Othala rune in my meditation flip on itself and become an Ingwa's rune. And what I didn't know is that like the the other end of that story is Eric was going through kind of a meditation thing where he felt like he was in the middle of like the creation myth. He was in the middle of an ice meditation and a fire. So he felt like he was in the middle of the two worlds forming Ginyuga Gap and forming, you know, Ymir and, you know, the forming of the universe. And so that's what he was going for through. And so when talking with him through my own personal experiences and putting everything together, like seeing Othala being an ancestry rune and a state rune, you know, flipping on itself, that it came, came to me that it was a creation rune. So for me personally, I see Ingwas as a creation rune, you know, the, the, you know, the big bang, the, you know, the power of true creation. And it can be seen as the, you know, the unions of two ancestries coming together to create life. And again, this is not necessarily something that I read in a book and it's not really anything I understand Ingwas was, but through lots of meditation and personal experiences, this is what I experience, which is going to change the way if I do do divination, if I do do divination, this is how I would interpret Ingwa's as. So if it came up and pulling, uh, you know, Ingwa's rune, I'm going to take those personal experiences into that rune. Um, so, and that, that rune, I feel like I understand a lot. I feel like I understand Rytho. Um, I feel like I understand, uh, you know, Gabo really well. And so if, some, I was doing a rune pool for someone and Anzus, Gabo, and Ingwas popped up, I would feel pretty good in telling you what, you, what, would, what it would mean from my interpretation. But all of a sudden I get an Awas, an Iwas, and like a, you know, Iza rune. I'm like, dog, I got nothing for you. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would say just kind of going into like the rune that I, I understand and have kind of connected, I guess. I would say connected with, and yeah, I'd say connected is a good way of, of kind of describing any kind of working with the runes would be Uru's and that's yeah that's been over you know a, a decently long period of time um you know and a lot the most common uh meaning or interpretation behind Uru's is uh you know just endurance whether it's physical endurance emotional endurance spiritual endurance whatever and that you know, at the time that I, I was really starting to work with it, that was a big thing was just, you know, being that unmovable 
force and uh animal wise it's like i think it's ox i believe off the top if i'm not mistaken um, yeah, it's an ox. It's yeah so you know that's a, a powerful you know beast of burden that can endure a lot of, of stress technically and, and physical labor and whatnot but it's also a, a battle rune i've come to kind of like i've come to learn as well um you know to kind of help you in a in a fight so to speak um but yeah it's i've spent a lot of time with that rune and and understanding it and it's you know it became the the centerpiece of a bind rune that i ended up making myself and it, it fit perfectly with it it's it honestly was just the perfect fit for it and then when it you know if you were to translate the runes from you know into our alphabet that we know now it spelled something out that i had no idea it was even spelling out you know i had, I had no clue I had somebody else take a look at it and they were like hey you know just for fun they went and spelled it out in english and they were just like uh did you know that this is what it spelled if you translated it like that i was like no but it fit with stuff that i work with and who i've worked with sometimes it's funny how that happens Ura was the one I just recently like learned and I spent two like two three days straight meditating listening to different songs with the, with the sound in it from like high long and stuff like that and the way that like because I struggled with it like this is what Claire uh, sent me was like uh, Uraz, what is strength? Where uh, do I seek and find the strength to feel power? Because it's it's not your inner strength, it's like the universe strength. And that's like the core meaning of Uraz. And so I, I really struggled because like, I was thinking strength of like from others and stuff like that. And she's like, no, 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 you gotta push all that aside. You gotta get to what is your inner strength. Yeah, I'm kind of reading through like what it says in like the Lisa Chamberlain book. Um, and it's interesting that it also mentions that it's like a rune of sudden changes. And again, this might not be something that appeals to everyone. But again, Lisa Chamberlain apparently had experience where Uru's was kind of this. And Ian, you nodded your head. So I think you were like, yeah, it is. <laughs> so just weird thing that this happened. And this is the second time I've had something like this happen. Um, I was just looking over at one of my drinking horns that were over here on the table, and it's gone now, but there was straight, we were, well, Sherd was talking about Uru's. I just looked, and there was, like, a little black mark on it that, I guess, I, I thought I'd gotten tattoo ink on this thing in the shape of that, and it immediately wiped right off, but it's on the beast horn. Hmm. And the other the other instance I had something like that was at the Faze Mountain. There was a rock that had a Faye on it. And it was just straight up dirt, but I thought it was like, I thought it was formed onto the rock. As soon as I picked it up, it disappeared. It just washed off of it. But it's just odd how those things have done that. And that's the second time. I don't use, I don't put too much weight behind something when it just happens the first once, but if it happens twice. Right. Well, and that's another aspect of the runes too. I think a lot of people, um, especially when they've written to me about like stories of the gods for like the God Week series, is they see runes in nature a lot. And they see like, you know, runes to shape certain deities or at least what deities are tied to. And that's kind of one of the things that leads them down certain paths. Um, and again, this is another thing that's like, it's such a personal experience where it's, you know, anytime someone's asked me about it, I'm like, well, if you feel like you had an experience, then it is an experience. You know, a lot of people are just looking for validation for those experiences being real. But if you think that you saw a Rytho rune in the trees, you saw a Rytho rune. You know, no one else can take that away or give it to you. I do. I, do, I really do like it whenever things happen more than once because it just gives more credence to it for myself. But even as a, even if it only has happened a couple of times, and I know that that's something that I need to look more into that. Uh, like I said, I just started recently practicing. I was able to grasp Fehu pretty well because that's, like you said, it's like cattle. It's, it's wealth, essentially. That's, you know, everybody determines wealth differently. So some of the runes I think are going to be easier than others. And, and not everybody is going to get some runes as fast as other people because we're, like I said, we're all different. We're all going our own path. That's why, like, Ian, you grasp Uraz probably pretty easy within a few weeks. And, like, I had to meditate and, like, 
really push through feelings, emotions, and like gra- try to grasp that of uh, what is mine or strength and like what it means to me. And, you know, you could come up with that with a different rune that I might grasp very easy. And that's one thing I, I really like in, uh, about the runes is they do tell their own stories and the people that are drawn to certain runes are drawn to them for a reason. And it kind of tells you a little bit about the person too. Like, do any of you have a favorite room? Well, I mean, besides Uters, yeah. I mean, it would probably be Hoglaws, but I mean, because for me, Hoglaws is connected to hell for me. Um, you know, but I, I can, I, I definitely agree with kind of the, what you were saying earlier about, you know, for me, understanding Uru was, was relatively easy. And I think it's, it kind of goes with a lot of things in life. You can always read about something and study something and gain some knowledge from it. But when you, when you experience something that just basically fits that criteria and you're constantly, you know, in the situation with the runes, like with Uru's, Uru's was popping up constantly for me whether it was in nature whether it was just you know in my mind's eye uh you know if i you know was doing a pull for myself it was you know it it just constantly coming up and everything like that it was very easy for me to understand especially when it started happening you know when self-endurance and just that that whole concept of just kind of being that unbreakable thing you know was happening it's yeah it's just that that experience that knowledge through experience what i'm trying to get at that i feel like with the runes is a big thing compared to just reading it because yeah you can read about them all day long but until you kind of have a a very good connection and actual uh you know experience that really fits that criteria and you just you constantly keep seeing it i feel like is when you truly really understand it so one thing um, I was thinking of is in the poetic edda, uh, just because I was doing the Odin Week research, uh, Odin Week research there is a, a solid section on the runes. Um, and it kind of talks about how to uh, create the runes, which I think is uh, kind of interesting because I don't feel like it actually comes up very often, even though there is just a straight section in the Havamal that talks about how to actually create the runes and how to meditate on the runes. Let's see if I can find it here real quick. Yeah. So it's in stanza 144 of Havamal. It says, do you know how to write them? Being the runes. Do you know how to read them? Do you know how to paint them? Do you know how to test them? Do you know how to ask them? Do you know how to bless them? And do you know how to send them? And do you know how to offer them? Um, so I think that's pretty interesting because again, we're seeing kind of the practice that we see a lot with the runes in the forest creation of them that you need to like, you know, carve them from a tree. You need to bless them, need to do kind of a ritual with them, uh, need to carve the symbols in them, you know, give an offering for them. And so, you know, again, it's that, that disconnect in the sense that it's like, we know they had value. We know they had power. It's just not exactly what type that power was or what direction they sent that power in. Um, and I know there's in Eagle uh, Saga, there's a section talking about how someone carves runes onto like a stone or something like that and uses it for spells. Um, and then, of course, right after the section in the Havamal, we have uh, the section of rune spells or the spells that Odin knows as he hung from the world tree. Um, and they have varying uses, some more elaborate than others. Most of them just to try to seduce women, apparently, like the last three are all about seducing women because Odin, Odin, you dog. Here's one thing that I, was, I kind of thought about as you were kind of talking about um, your Ingvar's uh, story earlier is I think this comes from a combination of, you know, new age and Wicca and that kind of stuff is if you're doing any form of divination with the runes, I know some people will, and I just primarily, I believe comes from tarot is if you pull a rune and it's upside down or in a certain direction, that's supposed to mean something, um, you know, very specific. Uh, for me personally, I, when when I do a poll, which is very rare, I look at it as both. You know, I don't necessarily look at it as, you know, if it's inverted or whatever, like that's a negative or this is, you know, a positive. I take both concepts of what could potentially be bad or, you know, the, the yin and yang of that rune and use 
you know, just look at it as the whole picture. Like, okay, this could be this way, but if I do something differently or I go about it this way, it could be bad or vice versa. Um, I'm curious of what you guys think about like rooms being inverted and, you know, sideways, whatever. Hogwash. I think, I think it's just easy to see that it comes directly from tarot because tarot, the card's upside down, you know, it has the inverse meeting. And so when they were combining, you know, making rune divination, they were like, well, of course, that means if runes are inverted, but like not all the runes have inverted meanings because they're not as direct. And what's an inverted Ezaz rune? Because it literally can't be inverted. Like what's an inverted, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of another example, like a Gabo rune. You can't invert a Gabo rune. Or an Ingos, because either way, it's the same. Yeah. So I think, you know, if you look at the inconsistencies in that, you're going to, you know, I can again pull out this Lisa Chamberlain book and it has like meanings. Let's see, what does it say for Esau's if it's inverted? Please tell me. It's just if it's sideways. Yeah, probably. Oh, well. But yeah, no, it's just like, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I say it's hogwash. So Esau is actually something that I can talk about for a little bit. I've, I've, I've kind of been holding on to this or here for a little while in case we had like a lull in the in the podcast. And I don't talk about the beast a whole lot. I think I've only I've only, I think I've only talked in depth on it a few times uh, throughout our what where are we at like 50 51. some or 51 now. Super old. Um but part of how I came to peace with the beast and got that control um, over that part of myself was uh, through use of that rune and through some meditations and things like that. Um, it just came to be something that uh, I would see in my head or I would just, I would feel cold, things like that. To me, like Isa means ice, um, but it's also like self-control. And I've come to personally kind of feel like peace um, myself. Because um, after use of that, that was some, uh, one of the first times in my life that I've actually ever felt like real true peace um, through using that one. Um, I'm trying to think of some other other ways that I can describe it. Mm. Like my one experience with Esau's um, is like, the, like almost the acceptance of peace. It's like, you really can't control what's happening right now. It's almost like the slippery slope. Like you're already going down the, sl the slide. So you might as well just enjoy the ride because, you know, there's really nothing you can do in this moment to change what is happening. Yeah, I can, I can see that. It may, it may just come across as peace to me because mine is like, I guess like my inner self has always been like on the wilder, like crazier side, I guess, especially after learning about that part of myself. Um, and then, giving like giving in and accepting to that um help me be able to like gain peace so uh sure what's the like the next step for you is it just learning the next row of runes the next row of runes like are you are you allowed to talk about it if you're not allowed to talk about it i understand but like uh, uh, kind of, i mean I, I can talk about it she hadn't told me i can talk about it so, <laughs> until this podcast uh, she's be like why did you talk about it yeah well i mean <laughs> you're fine uh, now the the i'm right now i'm like i said i'm, I'm learning the first eight um, on the third one, which is the Thoraz, I think is yeah, and I haven't really reflected on that one because I just got through the Thoraz. Um, but then after that one, it'll be the next eight, then the next eight, uh, because the first eight are all about yourself and your inner self and knowing your spiritual self, which helps a lot from the spring with Don that I spent with uh, Dionysus and and learning my spiritual self again. Uh, so the, doing that and then now Odin coming around like wanting me to learn more magic practices and so I decided to start with the runes is why I reached out to Claire and like you know tackle this issue uh, because I do want to start incorporating more magic because that's a part of paganism is the magical practice side of things and like I said Thoros is next but then it'll be the outer or the next eight runes which I think is like the other person, like the other perspective, the other perspective of people, I think is how she decided that to go through our messages. Like, it's it's a booklet, dude. Like, it's it's a lot. 
but it's, it's awesome. If anyone's interested, you know, I'm sure she wouldn't mind answering your questions. Uh, she also said she'd be down to be on the podcast again. So if we ever invite her back, she can definitely do more on divination and stuff like that. Um, so are you looking to do any, like, uh, like, is your goal, like divination is your goal bind runes? Like, what are you kind of wanting out of the runes? Uh, for me, it's my own, just for my own personal life thing, like doing self divinations and self guidances and stuff like that. Uh, and I guess if I ever felt comfortable with all of the runes, I would do like a divination for other people. But as far as right now, it's mostly just self runes and self divination and maybe some bind runes here and there and younger once i understand more of the runes i think one of the things that a lot of people forget about the runes is just um like the simple aspect of like reflection like kind of what you're doing in the meditation i think is one of the most important parts of it is looking at your what parts of your life apply to certain aspects of these runes because they do become very personal and i think when you take that into the creation of them, because I'm sure, you know, the next step for you is probably going to be creating your own runes. And so when you actually create a Fehu rune, you're putting your own personal experiences with Fehu into that rune creation itself. Um, same thing with like, you know, me when I, you know, created my runes, um, you know, like Rytho, I was able to put my experiences on journeys and friendship and things like that into that rune. So it has even more value and power to me. Right, right. Yeah, um, I haven't talked to her about it yet, but like I'm sure whenever I feel more comfortable, I will make my own set of runes. I I have a set I bought, and then I have a set that was given to me as a gift uh, from my family. Um, but I don't really use them. I don't really touch them. Uh, they're sitting on my altar most of the time. Yeah, uh, I have like I have like four sets, and I only use like one of them. Yeah, but. I, I know, like, I think what I'm going to do is after I, I do fully understand and, like, go through the first eight, I'll create the first eight set of runes. And then after, like, as I master a set, I'll create a set, is it, you know, so to speak, is how I'm thinking I'll do it. I don't know yet, but, you know, we'll see what the future holds. I think it's just good to create things with your hands. I think anytime you do that in the faith, it's always good. You know, it makes you feel more connected to what you're doing. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, creation doing anything outside or like with nature with the runes is always a good thing well and then there's like uh and of course this is like down the celtic rhyme was it like orgrams or something like that but like the the celtic divination i kind of like those just because you have to get like different styles of wood for each like like orgram basically again i don't know them that well but i really like that idea and i honestly if i created another rune set i'd almost want to try to do that so to get like you know a different type of tree a different type of wood or a different material for each one that kind of corresponds with it um you know and maybe even stone for some of them i think that would just be like a really cool way to like get even more depth out of like the rune itself i see that especially like you know with with thoraz like it being to me like for now what little i do recognize of it is the thor rune and i would want that to be like an oak chip something like yeah. with, with oak wood and you know so that would make sense to have different type of trees or stones or stuff like that to represent the different roots. I think you can make a pretty powerful rune set with those. Well, I know a lot of the runes, at least from one of the books that I have, um, I can't think of the title. It's one that this is one of those ones that like came from like a store-bought rune set. So I don't know how much, you know, how much I would put into it, but some of the other other books that I have red do kind of have a um a a tree or a plant that is associated with that rune so it would be potentially relatively pretty easy to do something like that of of finding you know of that particular tree or that particular you know a branch of that particular thing that is associated with that rune and make a, basically a rune out of it all right. Well, I think if I have any final words for wisdom for anybody is uh, anytime we talk about things like the runes, you don't necessarily have to do them. It's okay. This is just a very prop, uh, popular and prominent part of the faith today. I know a lot of people that have been in the faith for a very long time that don't ever even touch the runes. Now they might enjoy them aesthetically because let's all admit the runes are aesthetically pleasing and they definitely attract people to the Northern tradition. They automatically speak, you know, Lord of the Rings, dwarves, you know, Norse mythology, all these things 
is tied to what ruins are. And so I think they are just a part really permanently of the aesthetic of this faith. But when it comes to actual magic usage of the runes, that's kind of up to you whether you want to do it or not. Um, and I think we have a nice diverse cast of characters here. Like everyone has different places they're coming to from the runes. Um, you know, again, like myself, I don't put much weight behind them, but I understand them and I, I honor them in a way, but also like I'm kind of conflicted. Sure, just get into it. Ian, you're definitely... I don't know. You're Ian at this point. So I don't even know. You have a beard. It distracts me. Uh, Baker, you don't even have a, do you even have a rune set or do you? Yeah. Do I, you? Like I told you, I made mine out of, out of an antler. Oh, so that's right. You could right. be like me and make them out of bone. That, that's right. That's right. I, my mind's not here today. Um, I'm the bone dude. <laughs> well, I don't think I've seen them. Like, yeah. show me one of them. Yeah, let me get them. Build the camera. I, I have to get them out of my bag. Go get them back out of your bag. I like how I'm just I'm just the uh, enigma. Or I'm just... just the enigma. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I feel like you've seen these things before. Have I? I don't know. My brain's fucking mush. You, might, you just don't remember because you've been in Germany for the last. Yeah, that's months. true. He has, he has just gotten back from Germany. But Ian, you're the uh, it fits that you're the enigma because yeah, like, I want to hear the the theory behind this or the thought process behind this. Oh, it's because you're the Hellboy. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, I've seen those. I think I saw them at Yule. I think is the last time I saw them. Yeah, because I made these. I made these whenever I was working on the stuff with you back last September, and so I believe I brought them to the fall gathering. I think they've been to every gathering with me since uh, the fall gathering last year. I see a lot make of them shortly after the uh, your fasting you did the nine day fasting. It was yeah. a month or two period of that. Well, the nine-day fast years. was the one that led up to the fall gathering. It was. Uh, the nine-day fast ended on the uh, like the ninth day of uh, September last year, which was also a Wednesday. Oh, uh, okay. Well, I apologize. Yeah, my mind's not here. Uh, Arifa Drucci, <laughs> I don't know. German, German, German. Thank you so much for watching the Folk Podcast and listening to the Folk Podcast. This isn't a watch. This is a listen. My brain's definitely not here. I don't drink caffeine anymore, and it clearly doesn't do anything good for me. But anyways, it's good to be back in the United States. Thank you for so much for listening to this podcast. And if you want to be on the Folk Podcast, we are actually sitting down to discuss these things nowadays. Um, so we've sent out lots of emails. So a lot of people that have emailed in, we've emailed you back. And uh, so if you are interested in being on the show, please email us at thefolkpodcast at gmail.com. Um, please let us know why you want to be on the show, what you would like to talk about. Otherwise, let us know any topics you would like to discuss. And otherwise, thank you all so much. And until the hall, let's go. Oh. Oh.